What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us today. On today's show, we're talking about how to make data relevant. But first, this podcast is powered by Stick and Ball TV, the baseball and softball streaming platform. If you haven't already, check it out at Stick and Ball TV because there are hundreds of videos and so much great content waiting just for you. And the best part is, it's all updated weekly. Check it out at stickandball.tv or on the Stick and Ball TV mobile app. Also, if you want to help support the podcast, there's two ways you can. One, leave a rating and review wherever you listen. And if you haven't already, it would mean the world to me if you did. And two, if this podcast is helpful to you at all, post it on social media, tag your friends, and tag us. I'm grateful to have this platform to be able to share, and we would all love to be able to bring more into our community. So today we're talking how to make data relevant. And whenever I mention this, I'm talking about from a player's perspective. When we use data, we're trying to make meaningful changes that show up in a game. And in order to gain attention for players using data, we have to show that we can connect these numbers with them in a meaningful and useful way. And here's how I think we can do this, by giving it a story or experience. One thing that you've seen a lot of people griping about lately is kids posting run and guns and exit velo on Twitter. And why do you think that they do this? Because they know that people value it. And so players are trying to accomplish what they feel recruiters or scouts value. And I've got two examples of discussions about data and really player development in general that I've had lately. The first one was sitting in a cage with a player. And one of my favorite things to try and do is to boil what they want to do down to one thing. And I've already talked about boiling things down to one thing and start with clarity. So if you're unfamiliar with that episode, go back and listen to that now. Anyways, back to the player. What is the one thing that I can do to help you be successful this spring? Or what is the one thing that you want to work on? And he answers, power. Okay, again, taking a step back, detaching yourself from the situation. You don't know the player, but this probably doesn't come as a surprise. But detaching ourselves from the situation, why does he think this? And here's my opinion on it. Number one, he wants to provide value. And he sees these things on social media. He sees people getting recruited because they have power. He sees people making millions of dollars because they have it. And so is he at fault here? Absolutely not. But then it led us to a great discussion on what that looks like, what that feels like, when we can do that, and truly getting back around to the most important thing, which is what can we do now? If you don't know already, and you're listening to this at a later date, This was recorded in February, and we're about to start the season. So it was a great time to redirect the discussion back to what's important now? What can you do well? What are your strengths now? How can we help the team win? And what's the one thing that we can work on without making a complete overhaul during the middle of a season that's going to help you play better tomorrow? So I had one more story. And this was a player that, again, working with in the cage, extra work after practice. And this is a great time to have candid conversations because they're not under time pressure. And so one of the things that we were working on is this player 
is the best way that I can describe it. He's a left-handed player, gets his hands out away from his body, and pulls just about everything. Now, I'm not on the we-can't-pull, anti-pull train. I think you can. But I also talked with this player about what areas of the strike zone that they were struggling with, what were the different pitches that he was really having a hard time hitting. And so it led us to a discussion just about length in the zone. And so the drill that we were doing is I was having him stand in his regular spot in the batter's box, again, on the left-handed side. And I was flipping balls on the inner white and saying, do your best to try and keep it to center field. And I said, you're going to pull some, but the idea is, is if you're early, you can keep it fair. And if you're late, we can still drive it to left center. And so after the, after the round, we were picking up baseballs. Again, another time to have candid conversations. And he asked the question, which I think has a ton of value in it. And he asked me, is this going to help me hit better? And so I thought that that was a truly, truly valuable question because at the end of the day, again, players want to try and bring value. They're just not sure sometimes how to do so. One more example of questions that can bring you to your knees. So I was at a friend's facility and a player comes in. He was really excited that his program had just purchased some new age data tracking system. And he was telling my friend all about it. The player was telling him how he used it today, how he had an X amount of metrics and that his spin rate was this, his horizontal movement was, was this and so on and so forth. So when this player was done with the conversation, a friend of mine asks, or a friend of mine says, that's awesome, man. But what do those numbers mean to you? And the player didn't really have an answer. And it's funny how a powerful question can make you ponder something for weeks. Here's my attempt at helping you to make data relevant. Again, no expert, and I feel like I'm constantly chasing this white rabbit. And so are you, but here's a couple from my experiences. Number one, use previous experiences. Everyone loves stories because everyone can empathize and relate to different experiences that we've had. So can we take whatever data that we have and relate it back to a pitch that we've seen before? For instance, your leadoff hitter who gets on or out, comes back to the dugout and tries to relate what he saw, how he felt, where it was coming from, what the timing felt like to the rest of the team. That's an experience that someone else had that they're trying to relate to you. And we remember experiences and feel much better than numbers, just because it ties into the emotional part of our brain. Remember, data by itself is just numbers, but the goal is getting the numbers to tell a story that relates. Using a big league example. Whenever guys come on to MLB Network and they talk about, man, I had to really get on top of his fastball with a high spin, high vertical break type guy, thinking Garrett Cole fastball up in the zone. Or you've got a guy like me growing up a Red Sox fan, Derek Lowe. Guys talk about, man, I had to scoop and get under his fastball. And you could group guys with low spin, a lot of horizontal movement. Or then people talk about Mariano's cutter. And they knew it was coming. They knew what side of the plate it was coming. And they still couldn't hit it. Or even another recent example, Chris Sale. And it looks like his slider is literally bouncing off of a wall 10 feet in front of the plate. So if we can relate terms back to the numbers that we see, such as ride, run, falls off the table, 
and players know exactly what that looks and feels like, all of these are very simple terms that matter. And when our brain is trying to interpret what it's seeing, the more experience that we have within that, the more comfortable we're going to feel in the box. And again, with those pitches, it's an optical illusion in a sense. But if we can tie it back to previous experiences that we've had, we're going to feel a whole lot better in the box. One other thing that I see with data, and it's something that I really want to ask most coaches, what's your process and how you use it? Are you just posting it on social media to get likes and retweets for recruiting purposes? Maybe. Are we just collecting? And we need to in certain areas, but we need to know how to use it at some point in time, or we're just going to be wasting our time and the player's time. Kids also aren't robots, and it takes a lot of time to make different changes. And so do we have enough evidence to actually make this change? And again, do the players want to? So one thing that I really liked with the Rangers and Cody Atkinson, who is the hitting coordinator, instituted a seven-question change test. And so does what we're trying to fix check all seven of these boxes? So it could be, for instance, approach, timing, injury history, so on and so forth. Then we can approach the player about it. But we also have to keep in mind is, what's the intended outcome? I know that we are in a constant chase of more. I do the same thing. And it sells. We want to improve long term, but we also need to have some successes now. Remember, we are getting into the middle of the season. So tweaks? Absolutely. Chasing sliders? See them a lot in practice. Throwing off to the side of your fastball? Got it. How am I seeing it? Am I picking it up early enough? Am I tracking it well? Overhauls or the power discussion that I mentioned earlier, those are probably off-season conversations. So let's circle back to the second conversation that I had. What does this player do well already, especially this time of year? Do they know it? Ask them. They have to trust it. They have to understand that they can absolutely execute on game day. And if they can't, then that's a problem. We can't ask them to execute on game day if they're not comfortable doing what we ask them to do. Now, can we try new things in preseason and scrimmages to get them more comfortable? Absolutely. Do we ask them to execute X, Y, or Z in the ninth, up one with the bases loaded because it's, quote, what the book says we should do? Sometimes the book needs to be rewritten with the player that we have. And no matter what we as coaches think a player should do, we have to utilize what they have right now and put them in their best position to be successful. So some thoughts in closing. What time of the year is it? And we need to build a plan around that. In season, we've been preparing all off season for this moment. This is the worst time of the year to make complete overhauls. Again, tweaks? Absolutely. Also, what are their goals? Are they trying to start? Again, it's going to be a while before massive overhauls feel comfortable. Do they want to get to the next level? And what's going to help them do that? This could be an off season plan. But again, the game teaches the game, and there are lots of things that even our best players can do to improve. Are they already signed? And with data, expose them to some of the stuff that they're going to see anyways, or at least the stuff that you have that could help them. And when we decide on these things, how can we interpret data for players? Give the numbers a story, attach a feel, use past experiences and emotions. And when we do that, at some point in the future, 
players will ask us what they need, ideally. So data feels like this metaphorical white rabbit that we will ever be chasing, and we probably will. But I hope this gives you an idea or two, and I would love to hear yours. At Jay Gellner on Twitter, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which can include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.